Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sanjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sanjo Gall. Hello, and uh, welcome to the segment on CTN. To learn more, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And the topic for today is the RPA adoption journey. And our guest for today's show is Ben Patel, who is the Chief Information Officer with Cohen Health. Hey, Ben, how are you? Good. How are you, Sanjay? Thanks for having me here. Oh, definitely. Honors all ours. Uh, so hopefully your business and uh, the initiatives that you are taking on are keeping you busy. And the reason we wanted to talk to you today and essentially covered this topic about RPA adoption is because a lot of people are looking at RPA as uh, a way to improve efficiencies or to bring other value. So it could be about compliance improvement, it could be compatibility improvement, it could be overall management capability improve or overall experience that can be enhanced for a customer. But then there are still challenges people are discussing as well. So what would that journey look like is the goal for us to at least discuss and see what all things we should be careful about, how we should go about adopting. So the first question, if you were to look at as part of your due diligence that you may have performed or you see other companies uh, doing so, there is a lot of hype, right? I mean, like anything else, RPA also is enjoying some some uh, visibility and some hype. But if you were to you know, deconstruct it, rip it apart and say, okay, this is what it truly can, and cannot do given at the current state of evolution it is in. What would that look like? So I think we are um, we are also in this journey of finding out what robotic process automation or process automation in general will bring to us. And 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 you're right. We're truly looking at from truly removing some inefficiencies or or uh, cost reduction side of the story here, and what we are looking at is everywhere, areas where we think that we are relying on too much on human aspect of processing and relying on too much on the human memory side of the story. And so we're looking at in three, four different areas. One is in the revenue cycle side of the story. What can we do to automate uh then we're looking at in the population health, uh, what can be done by using a process automation. And then we're looking at in the you know core IT side of the story where uh, service desk uh, using some chatbots and things like that. So that's where we are at a very high level looking at uh, exploring, you know, what, and then we're kind of, we're just getting started. So I think what we will probably do is get into the process out of the story and because we use lean here, we're probably going to use some of the lean, you know, methodology and see if if this can be applied there. But at the end of the day, we're trying to see if RPA or any process automation can be used um, to cut cost um, and to deliver better uh, decision making. So, if you remember the old days of automation, we still used to look at that as an efficiency play. And some places we were successful, other places we weren't. So if you were to compare RPA with the old-style automation efforts that we had put in, how do you fundamentally differentiate? Is it just because it can churn things faster or you could apply AI? That's what it is? 
Um, it is. I think uh, the, the the thing is this, the data side of the story, more um, structured and unstructured data is now available. And with the advent of, you know, in AI um, and also, uh, you know, machine learning now, you can automate uh, a lot of stuff through this technology. And that has been the, the promise. And that's, this is the reason why, you know, we're looking at and and more and more, um, uh, processes are, are becoming digital. And what that means is now you have data-driven everything. Data is all over the place. So I think now you can potentially use that to um, automate your processes and bring some efficiencies into the play. And I think that's been the promise, and this is one of the reasons we're looking into this and see what can we do, how would, we, how would it integrate, and so forth. So if you were to look at the current day and age of digital, where the focus is to do something new, more, or different versus keep squeezing more juice out of the penny. So do you think RPA is only a, a good tool for bringing efficiencies, or are you looking at this as a, if not the end, but maybe at least a very good means to an end to essentially move towards that innovation and keeping up with the new demands that customers are uh, placing upon us? I think what we are looking at, um, not to use this to come up with probably, let's look at a new care delivery model. I mean, this is not going to help us innovate. This is basically just bringing operational efficiencies. Um, I mean, a lot of people call it digital transformation, operational transformation, or what I call transactional transformation. So we'll be using this, you know, technology, these processes, uh, you know, uh, these even algorithms to a certain extent to bring in the efficiencies so that we use less human, we can do faster uh, data processing and come up with the decision-making right at the point of care versus reviewing the data after the fact. So I think that's the, the promise. But, you know, this is where, you know, if you look at what RPA is being used or what process automation, yeah, basically decision supports out of the story versus truly uh, using either AI or deep learning and creating a, a model of care uh, where you can, you know, make either extra money or you can um, attract or acquire new patients. I don't think that's where this is, at least for healthcare. So, in fact, in the context of healthcare, whenever we speak about data, or you talk about process reengineering because both of them will be needed if you are to get somewhere with RPA. Both have had their own respective chronic challenges or new challenges keep popping up. So for you or any other healthcare provider to be able to exploit RPA, there is a lot mm -hmm. of upfront work which is remaining and a lot of challenges which you have to get over before you can say, yes, I'm going to get the value. So, so what, what are we, would you think it will be premature for the industries or for companies who are still uh, going through this perennial challenge related to data management and process reengineering because of multiple reasons to wait and let RPA come into the mix after you've tackled those problems first? So I think that I would say that's for any 
technology or anything. I mean, it, at, the, at the crux, I mean, at the bottom of this whole thing is data. So as long as if you don't have clean or structured data to feed it, then I don't think anything will work, including your machine learning or AI or anything. So I think that that would be the first challenge. Process engineering, I mean, this is all about unlocking capacity. That's what this is going to bring, throughput and so forth. So I think that the, the first thing would be to identify you know, do you inherit structured data to feed it? And obviously, that for that, you need to do a proper design, planning, governance, uh, you know, it, 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 to optimize sort of the value of this, you know, automation framework. And, and I think that's the key. So I think, so this is, again, going back to the design board and trying to figure it out, how you're going to, you know, do you even have the data? And if so, where are you going to feed it? How are you going to integrate it? Where would this come up? How would you, uh, where, where in the workflow this will be, uh, you know, triggered or this will be brought forward and how will it hand it off to, for example, a human process? So one is to look at this being an initiative which is in its utopic state, you would pick up the right candidates where you could get the most value by deploying RPA and that's the one which you go after. But coming down mm-hmm. to the brass tacks and reality, are you approaching it where you know that you will not be stuck dealing with, again, those human and political situations which prevent you from getting your processes right or the data right so that when you do deploy RP or do and make investments, you at least get some output? So are you going more opportunistic or you're looking at, yeah. I'm going to create the absolute perfect solution going in? No, 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 no. We are, to your point, we are looking at uh, from an opportunist standpoint, like where we can have a, uh, let's put it this way, controlled pilot where we can, for example, in IT, <clears throat> so for it's easy for me to control, let's say in the service desk area where we can have something where, where we can deploy this and see how it works and use that and, and the benefit of it or the lessons from it and then try to go, you know, I, I guess vertical by vertical. So we can do an IT first, then we can take it to revenue cycle and kind of use it, basic stuff which does not truly interact with anything outside of revenue cycle. So let's say claim processing or something like that, or payment posting at the end of the day. I think a lot of those kind of things we can we can look at. And that's what I think will probably help us at least learn and see how this thing works. And once it works, then you can kind of branch it from there and get into the other areas where it truly is going to sit in the middle. And I'm sure you are not the absolute first adopter of this. So have you seen some examples in your industry where certain type of use cases were naturally a good fit and you could take those as examples and jump in full throttle versus going through your two-year POC? So I have not personally seen uh, or have contacted any someone in healthcare industry who has done it, but I have heard and lot heard and read a few things where this is truly is this promise and, and more in the revenue cycle side of the story where things are still you know manual in so many areas and medical records, HIM areas. So this is what I'm hearing. And so one of the things that and, and as I said before, we're just getting started on this from a very high level planning side of the story. Like where can we use it? This, so we're hearing things, but we haven't seen anybody implemented it. Of course, we have vendors who um, contacted us with this promise that we can help you, but we haven't we haven't gone through a reference call or anything in this regard. 
So as a as a primary uh, contact, that's one thing. But in the industry, do you see some some either research done or um, some form of thought leadership established, which tells you that if you're looking RPA and looking in the healthcare industry, these are the core areas in which it is a, almost a sure shot. So you could be more confident going in versus, you know, the the time to value. What, I, what my question essentially is about reducing mm. the time to value, because by the time you do this, I'm not saying that you will miss the train, but still, why delay when we've got either cross industry or in the same industry you've got examples? Because you want to go ahead and get some value out of this. Yeah, so I'm, I'm as I said before, revenue sector is one area. I'm hearing um, utilization and case management. Uh, population management, wellness, and also uh, remote monitoring. So these are some of the areas that I've, I'm hearing people have done research and saying, well, you could use, you know, RPA to, <clears throat> uh, and, uh, as a technology to effectively manage and offer, you know, some sort of an optimal care. So we're, we're hearing that, and then we're saying, okay, do we have those problems? And if so, you know, where they are and what can we do and who do we use it for? So I think that's where we are. So now let's talk about the very angle that we are taking that it's going to, and it, it's, it's more like not an angle we're taking, but more there is, a, there is a perception that RPA means people displaced, means people will lose jobs, and which could have a fundamental passive resistance or even active resistance when it comes to the actual adoption. So while you're making all the, uh, you know, pitches to your management to say, let's invest this, this, and this place, but then people who are going to actually be impacted, they're the ones who have to be working alongside you and they could be, you know, possibly losing their job and you will be left with that management challenge. So if you were to talk at that level of adoption and really things falling in place, what do you see uh, as the sentiment prevailing, whether in your organizations or others who have attempted this? I think, as I said, I'm not sure about the others, but what I think is this is initially going to have this sort of negative um, feeling about, oh, my God, I'm going to, um, you know, lose my job, but this will replace uh, the FTE that I have in my department or my team uh, I think that's going to be the initial reaction. Uh, as we get into more and help folks, you know, become more focused and understand how this is truly not going to replace a human worker, but help them, uh, you know, uh, add more value to their work and sort of maximize, you know, our investments in a particular system or an asset. I think that that would, uh, and at the end of the day, when they truly see the ROI, um, you know, for the overall mission, so let's say in healthcare and how this is going to help improve patient care treatment or, uh, you know, a revenue cycle uh, workflow. I think once they see that, I think it'll be, they'll, they'll understand the value, but I don't know if this is truly going to replace um, a human. I think you still need folks to, uh, to review it, uh, evaluate it, make sure it works, and this is truly going to augment uh, some of the stuff that they're doing, not take it over. So interesting you say that if it's not going to replace human, where is this efficiency coming from? Same process which other otherwise a set of humans used to do, it's going to do faster or it's going to take care of certain 
process automation, which otherwise was consuming uh, more time. So in both cases, you were equating that time or number of people in terms of humans or, or money spent on human resource. And you're replacing yes, I think what them. I think will happen is two things. One, we'll uh, accelerate the turnaround time. Uh, we'll uh, have maximized the quality, meaning when, when a human does it, and there is a chance that you and I could make a mistake when machines do it for a, for a task that is, uh, you know, uh, kind of repetition, I think there's a less chance of that. So those are some of the things that people would look at in terms of how this is going to truly turn around, help, and, and this is, again, uh, throughput capacity management at, 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 at a certain level. So I think that's the primary benefit. How can we quickly do this? How can we decrease uh, you know, some of the, the, the time management? How can we turn around faster? How can we improve the efficiency, the quality? And when you are telling that, okay, we are doing it for specifically business purposes and you as a leader or your corresponding, you know, the, the counterparts, your business counterparts are explaining to their user base. I'm not sure if you've reached that level or maybe you've heard other organizations doing it as part of the adoption journey. What is the response from the people who are going to one way or the other impact it? Either they'll end up managing these uh, automation bots, if you will, or they themselves will be doing something else or they'll be asked to do something else because the bots are coming in. What's their need yeah, reaction think, or what, what is, what's happening in their mind? So we, uh, we are talking, as I, again, very high level. We haven't had that discussion about to a, uh, to a particular department or vertical here and getting into that, you know, detailed side of the story, but we've just talked about very high level, only in one area, revenue cycle. And again, the revenue cycle leaders also go and talk to their vendors who are also thinking about, you know, RPAs, doing, you know, AI, machine learning, a lot of those kinds. So they, they, are, they have heard of this. This is not going to be anything new when we sit down and talk about this and say, hey, you know, how can we help? What can we do? Can we use this? Can we do that? And then potentially bring use cases of other health systems or other vendors who are who either have a promise of helping us or have actually done it. If you were to compare the dollars and cents or the ROI formula, if you will, the changes that we need to make, whether in processes or in, in acquiring tool or data integration or data massaging or any other training you'll have to do to the other people who otherwise are expected to do either the same job but working alongside bots or be cross-trained to do something else or, or, or change their skills to something else. All of those things are, at least on, on the uh, surface, it looks that they are very expensive propositions. Do you think what RPA offers is significantly higher in terms of its ROI for it to be justified? Uh, as I said, we haven't done truly an ROI on this, but I'm, we are obviously going to use this where this is going to have the biggest bang for the buck, right? So, for example, or where we truly have a risk management side of the story. So population health would be a good example. You know, if you have a patient who was told to follow up in six months because they found a nodule in the lung, if you don't follow up six months, adverse event happens, patient dies, 
Now we're talking about a risk issue to the health system. So if there is a process automation that can detect and immediately schedule a follow-up for the patient with the provider and have that patient come back and being reviewed and do some sort of a screening and then, you know, identify whether, you know, a patient is, is a cancer patient or not, I think that would be a huge value. So I think we'll have to then, we'll have to take this case by case and identify is this kind of automation, even if it's costly to put it in, just to just even implementation or integration, is it worth it? I think that's where we'll truly have to figure it out whether it is, you know, uh, this is going to be uh, from an ROI driven uh, process, which most healthcare systems now going through this will be worth it or not. That's, this is yet to be seen, and this is where we would potentially look at use cases or people who have gone live ahead of us to see how they are doing it. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back, and and let's dig in a little more based on what other organizations. So, of course, Ben, you, in your case, you are starting out, and and you are starting in the you're in the earlier part of the journey. Based on what we are seeing, the way people are uh, adopting that, what is the playbook looking like? Is it like straightforward, like any other initiative? Let's go ahead and go into a few areas and, and shake a few things and see what works and then go. And yes, that is the right way to go, go about doing it. But then is there some science to this which we have learned after so many other initiatives? And in this context of digital where there's so much already changing and the expectations are a little uh, shifting at all times, is RPA bringing RPA, which impacts the operational side of it more than the front-end side? Are, are we okay to shake up things internally when on the front-end we have so much uh, dynamic environment that we are facing? So should we shake up everything or should we take one piece at a time? How is, is this fitting into the big digital puzzle? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. 
You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Ben, when we are looking at the digital transformation, at least in, in the way we have been trying to work on it, is to make it more top-line growth and uh, growth heavy, or at least focus on where it will bring some growth, some innovation. And yes, digital transformation also says you will bring some operational efficiencies. So are we looking at RPA to be another part of a bigger digital transformation effort? And if yes, in the in, in the interest of getting the final outcome to be the maximum value you could generate from every penny you spend, is it better for us to first identify what changes we want to bring on the front end and then try to change what we are doing at the back end? Like, you know, let it trail the, the growth-related uh, initiatives versus putting it in the mix and try to shake up everything in the organization and then think why, 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 are, why are pieces not falling in place? Right. No, I agree. I think so you know, bringing any change or impact to top line versus bottom line, it's easier to do the bottom line. Because in order, if, you want, if you're trying to use RPA to bring in growth, it'll take you time and you may fail. Uh, you know, if you want to use RPA or any automation technology or any transformation to, to reduce efficiencies uh, and, I mean, increase efficiency, reduce cost, you know, or, or, or in other words, you know, kind of address your bottom line, I think you'll, the chances of you succeeding are better. And specifically in healthcare, where we're truly moving into more of a capitated, you know, kind of a market or value-based care, cost of operations are going to be the primary area of concern for most people. So the more nimble you are, more, uh, you know, uh, uh, cost-friendly you are, the more value you can bring to the provider, to the payer, and for yourself, and you'll be able to make you know some money. So I think that's where this promise of RPA and automation is going to add lots and lots of value. You know, creating the top line growth could also be used, but there are so many other um, avenues out there for AI and machine learning and deep learning where it could use you could use that and create different care models and different models of you know let's say you know the virtual health. Uh, or virtual care models that could be used with that or algorithms that could uh, create new um, care models or care delivery models for you to create business. So I think from an RPS standpoint, this is one we are looking at, at least from my perspective, looking at more from an operational transformation standpoint, how to reduce uh, the cost, how to increase the throughput, unlock the capacity. And in, in terms of rationalization and prioritization, would you then recommend organizations to look at anything which is growth-oriented and innovation? Do what they want to do, but don't make that innovation side wait for RPA to make your backend the most efficient as possible, because this is almost like continuous improvement. You can never... Right. So, so, so then we should, in a way, detach the the growth-oriented digital transformation efforts from RPA. So RPA could very well be its own leg, like a continuous improvement leg, which should not be seen as a transformative effort. 
would you think that's that too bold uh, a statement to make that it is not transformative because it's not it's, it's just plain old automation but done with a beautiful looking shiny wrapper uh, yeah in a way you can say that which is true because this is truly not you know a transformation it's just automation and helping you leveraging technology to truly do what you're supposed to do anyways using technology. And I think we all got used to adding FTEs and, and having them do the work versus truly automating it. Even though I think I don't think it's going to truly introduce any new technology. The technology has been out there for years. We're just now putting it into place, uh, you know, by addressing certain, you know, processes. And I think, as I said before, People will look at them, and this will be a, a not just an IT, but also a joint effort with the operational areas or, or business stakeholders where we need to jointly identify areas where we are not efficient or where we have throughput issues and then address, use those to, um, you know, use RPAs of the word and address that. So you're right. I think for a true um, innovation uh, or if you really have to prioritization standpoint, you really need to look at innovation as a separate bucket and your operational efficiencies um, or transformation under a separate bucket. And this is going to be there forever because as you change your processes, you'll still have to apply this and make sure that you're sort of a continuous improvement process and reducing costs because as much as you can squeeze that, it's better for you. And at the end of the day, that's the value added uh, from an IT standpoint. So if you are looking at the way the solutions are being put out there, like anything else, there are a lot of platforms being offered that give it to me, I will just automate. Number one, what is, what's even realistic for someone to uh, think that RPA can help them accomplish? Because people are saying I can, I can do almost anything if I apply AI and the, the ability to automate things. So are there, are there certain boundaries to what we should look at RPA being even thought of or thinking, think of applying, or it should be anything which intuitively makes sense, let's jump in? I think, I mean, so yeah, so if you look at really platforms, and, and I mean, you can look at, even think of IBM Watson as a platform to do you know, automation and things like that. I think that we, as a help, from my perspective, we need to look at it where it makes sense. So try to identify from a business standpoint where, where, where are you hurting the most, you know, right? Look at your business strategy. You know, try to find out what is it that you're trying to do that you're not able to. How can you uh, help the business with these kind of things. And I think that would be, I mean, look at your, some of the core uh, metrics or KPIs where we, you're not doing good. And that's, to me, low-hanging fruit. And then use those and say, let me find out why we are not doing good here. And then as you, you know, kind of peel the onion, you'll find out that, oh, my God, this is a good use case for RPA or not. And then I think that's one of the things that you should do to move and kind of look into this versus trying to jump into a platform and saying, let me buy the platform and then, you know, go for a use case because that may not work very well. And and when you look at the overall technology stack, because it looks like, again, a land grab technique when you look at many of the uh, solution providers and nothing wrong, right? Of something new, they look at this as an opportunity and they want to see if they can, you know, make money and be successful. Nothing wrong at all. However, 
like with any other newer technology or newer way of working, do you think the industry is coming together so that the interoperability, and especially I bring that up, is because your automation may not always mean that you're doing it within your four walls. If you're going to have a partnership ecosystem, even automation could span that, especially when we are planning to use services for everything. So automation could span across, you know, organizational boundaries. So is is this whole technology platform stack that is getting developed or, or the solutions that are being put out there, are they following a predetermined approach to building uh, an ecosystem or, or if nothing else, some, some options for the enterprises to choose from or is it still again another round of madness? What have you seen? So I think from a um, standards base, I mean, there are good standards out there today um, for us to integrate or interoperate with each other using some standard protocols. Uh, when it comes to RPA or AI or anything like that from an automation standpoint, um, I have not seen truly uh, those kind of standards where, you know, you can give me an algorithm and I can just readily incorporate that into it. You still have to do that, you know, work to, to integrate with your, uh, you know, uh, stack of technology. So that's one thing that, um, as, an, as I read more and talk to more people, that's one of the things I'm realizing. But if you're doing and traditional data sharing, you just want to exchange data kind of, I think that for the most part is there, but that's still a very old data you know, sharing, not truly any automation. So for example, if I give you a piece of data and you should, you should be able to look at that and, and immediately trigger automation or use that to do something, you know, that that what I call sort of workflow interoperability it does not exist. So that's not even the world is working towards. This is very much contained uh, technology, or which is which is by design being contained within the four walls. Is that how every solution that's been put out there is thinking, or or has been designed? Yeah, I think so. Because so anything that we develop here or implement here, then it works very well here. I'm not sure if I can literally take the same and implement at a different entity or health system or hospital or healthcare organization. I don't think that that plug and play model that I, at least I have seen uh, that works in. There are areas with, that will work, but I haven't. And that was sort of the promise of these platforms like uh, IBM Watson. So we have not reached that point yet. And what else would you say now that you're doing your due diligence and you wanted to uh, almost assume that such functionality or features or, or capabilities existed in a platform. What else do you not see yet, which you think ought needs to be incorporated for it to be effective, truly effective for what you're trying to accomplish as an enterprise? I think uh, from our uh, perspective, one of the things is the whole, uh, um, you know, data sort of definition or the semantics layer. Um, again, there are standards that exist, but when it goes from the way we document certain things, uh, especially when it comes to unstructured data, I'm not sure there's a standard that I can just take, um, you know, from anybody uh, a, a piece of data or, or document or note 
or, or blob of data and then be able to use it in the same way that I do. So I don't know if that, that kind of a, a standard exists uh, that we can be able to do that. And this is one of the reasons why certain platforms don't work in a plug-and-play manner. You have to invest a lot of time in, and kind of doing more machine training before you do machine learning. So when you mention about the, the data part, are you expecting the tools to also start become intelligent or they should have an integrated RPA tool should have integration of some data management or data semantic parsing, if you will, somehow, so that it becomes one common way of structuring even the unstructured data? Is that what you're, you're yeah. hoping that they will come up with? Yeah, uh, that's exactly. So you, it has to do that. You have to sort of tokenize the unstructured data, and that's how you're going to be able to relate that when I see this or this data has this, and then next time when this thing comes along, this is exactly what I'm going to do or interpret this data and then act on it. So I think that's the promise of RPA. Now, RPA could easily work with NLP uh, to do that. But that's something that we'll have to, there will be an interplay of um, all these different, um, you know, tools uh, or technologies, whether it's AI, RP, NLP, ML, or deep learning. And, and so you are essentially, what, what you just referred to, don't you think that cognitive side, which is where people now are moving, is to solve that problem of, of you calling it tokenization, but that's like an automatic pattern matching, if you will, so that no human effort is required when you're talking about the volumes in this new digital world. Yes, exactly. I mean, in, in our case, so for example, we could use that to do a, uh, a diagnosis differential for a physician. So they know, you know, whether I truly have a cough or I have something else. So I think that's, that's the promise of this. And, and that's where we should use, you know, the same thing can be used for dermatology, radiology, to help them, you know, detect, you know, what's going on. Would you anticipate the RPA platforms to start becoming more vertical focused so that they get into the very uh, business understanding of how, how the workflows are versus saying, okay, you bring me as a horizontal tool and you do all the heavy lifting and I'm just a data churner or an automation, or like a rule-based engine? or an AI-based engine? Are you, are you seeing that's where the world ought to move for it to really create value for a leader like you who is specifically in, a, say, one vertical, which is healthcare in this case? So for my selfish uh, reason, I would say yes, because I would like something that's only, for me, healthcare, uh, and that works very well, whether it's going to work in the retail, manufacturing, or anything else, you know, would probably not matter a lot to me, but as long as it works in any healthcare setting, it'll be great. So if we, if we go for a, a reference call and we see something working great at a different health system, the same model can work here, I think they'll be good. So this is almost like rethinking the whole ERP model, which was having vertical-based solutions. You're saying build um, uh, industry vertical or even if nothing, not industry, but maybe a business unit or a business function centric set of uh, automation solutions that are available, which could be plug and play. So even though you may be doing it in a certain way, it could be a new best practices based approach, which could be adopted. And that moves you ahead 
much better versus banking on an individual organization's capability to pull this off. So you, you're hoping right. that, yeah. that, that the technology solution companies would step up to that end. Yeah, absolutely. I think from a healthcare perspective, we are not into you know technology or development or software business. So we will be relying a lot on the partners and vendors to help us, you know, uh, kind of use this, leverage the technologies like RPAs of the world to address a business problem. And that's where we will be looking at. So whether <clears throat> it's from a truly vertical healthcare or non-healthcare in a vertical where it truly has a promise of doing something great in healthcare, regardless, as long as it's a fit, I think people will use that. Because I've seen a lot of healthcare systems going outside and saying, you know, what's in play? How does, you know, United Airlines, you know, t- uh, 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 you know, tackle the problems. How does, uh, you know, food industry or retail industry handle customer service and, how- and trying to bring it in-house into healthcare? So I think this wouldn't be anything different. But as long as they have a healthcare offering, as long as they understand the complexity of it, I think that will greatly help sort of reduce that um, gestation period to get up and, and running. When it comes to talent... We know digital talent is difficult to find and people are struggling. Do you feel that there are certain roles, unique roles, which we have to start either developing or at least defining, which will very clearly tell that, okay, whenever you're doing an RPA initiative, you should have a battery of such people, whether they are internally developed or they come from third party, et cetera. So is there is somebody distinct roles that we are looking for or talent we are looking for to make this RPA-related initiative successful? Yeah, I would say um, enterprise architects and integration architects would be key um, to these kind of, um, you know, initiatives because I think you will need those people who truly understand the uh, overall architecture. They truly understand how the integration should work and what's the standard, what will not work. Uh, and obviously, that it'll also include enterprise architects will also include some sort of a data architect, so they understand the the, um, the level of data uh, you know in the organization, how clean it is, what is what is it needed, what needs to be addressed. Do we even have governance of that? So I think that will be those are the the and I think I've seen health systems now getting into that and and creating roles and and departments of for enterprise architectures and um, integration architectures so that they have these folks who can help automate this or use or, or can implement these technologies in the right way so that it's truly usable and we can get some meaningful uh, ROI out of it. And when you talk about governance and talk about security, given the pace at which digital-related transformation initiatives moving and also now you're trying to have RPA, where things will have to move very fast. So governance of a process, the way you do authentication and access management, the way you make sure the the crown jewels, if you will, are not compromised or jeopardized. Are you are you in your organization or anywhere else? Do you see they are taking a different stand with respect to governance and security? Yeah, so I think governance, obviously, in today, one is not only the data process, but also the security side of the story. So I think security is one where you truly have to identify, you know, what is your security framework and how these kind of technologies fit in. So if this is only inside your four walls where you truly are automating stuff, 
not sure if this is truly going to be a concern. If you are playing a lot of these using cloud, then you really have to look at your security infrastructure and see if you, know, you have CASBs of the world or not and, and what else you need to make sure that you feel comfortable. And what's your risk level and exposure? And if, and, and if there is any, you know, what's your plan of action or how can you remediate it when things happen or how can you shut down and how can you minimize? So I think all that is part of the governance that you truly have to evaluate as you select these technologies or you, these processes. And some you need to have in place regardless. Uh, but more and more of these RPAs of the world are now being offered uh, as a cloud or a SaaS side of the story. And that's where you need to really make sure that you have a process in place or a framework in place that you stick to or believe in or have been certified. And even when we talk about governance, which could encapsulate security, but if you were to just look at, okay, a process was to be run in a certain way, but now you have instead of a human worker executing it, you've got digital worker which can do 10,000 cycles a minute or, or maybe in a second. That requires a different level of scrutiny or checks and balances, which which has to be somehow managed so that anytime when, when uh, something breaks, it's going to break big time because it's going to scale. Whatever is going to happen will have a huge amount of cascading effect. So is is there a fundamental shift in the way you're even thinking governance for that segment where RPA is going to be deployed? Yeah, so you, you truly need to get into truly not only the, the security of the data, but also your data, um, your uh, uh, performance modeling, performance governance. You truly need to put checks and balances on, you know, what are some of the things that you're going to govern uh, from the automation standpoint, what are the thresholds you're going to put, how are you going to throttle it, even if you don't want it, to select it to your point. You don't want to get to 10,000 cycles per minute. You really want to only get to 5,000 just to see what's the impact. You should be able to throttle a lot of these, and for that you will, you will need some sort of a tool or, 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 uh, or monitoring or process. So I think that's where the governance is going to come in. And let's talk about the the very adoption, while well, this is the whole show is about adoption, but when it comes to adoption, it is still by people. So do you think your management has some crazy expectations from RPA or you're able to control it? Because when they hear something, they want everything yesterday and they, of course, want the moon after, uh, you know, with, with every penny that is spent. So what, what do you think is uh, the current state of expectations from what RPA can bring? At the top. So I think the I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but in, in at least in our case, I don't think that the management and my um, you know dealing with them so far they're not aware of you know what they they probably have heard. I don't think that they truly you know know what would be that what would it take the cost wise, timeline wise, people wise, and truly have not looked into this from a, a quantification standpoint. What is it truly going to bring in? But they're truly interested. So somebody brings up and says, you know, for example, in healthcare, hey, how about I um, bring efficiencies to our to your OR in in the hospital? Uh, and I think they'll be interested. Uh, they'll be like, oh yeah, that'll be great. We have a problem. But um, you know, if you say, can would you like to use RPA? They'll they they don't know. But they are interested in those kind of use cases. How do I optimize uh, in infusion uh, uh, centers? 
where I can, you know, uh, put more throughput and, 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 you know, grow the program, having more patients come and do the turnaround. I think those are some of the things where a lab or an ambulatory or patient throughput, ED, I mean, those are, they have that in mind from a very business or problem standpoint, but not from a technology standpoint, um, you know, and, and that's sort of the promise of the vendors and then the IT departments of the world. Okay, one last that's question. Why I was <laughs> so one last question. So if if you had to give any like you know top tip or tips, very short answer to the people who are going through this adoption journey or about to jump in, what would you say? Well, I would I would say, you know, as I said before, look at your business strategy or your strategic priorities, uh where um you know, what are they and then try to identify where, what are your pain points, you know, uh, and uh, don't look at, you know, platforms, technologies, and, uh, you know, sometimes we all read a magazine article and try to do what I call management by magazine. So, I mean, look at what is the business side of the story and then identify, peel the onion, go talk to that business leader and find out, you know, have they, because there are businesses who have probably used some similar vendor process technology and it didn't work. So, I think do some homework that, I mean, that's what I'm going to be doing. And then identify what is the problem, you know, can you even use by applying these kind of RPAs, will it work or not? You know, do you have the data to support it? You know, is it clean? Is it available? Can you feed it? Uh, I mean, a lot of those, you have that kind of uh, capacity and capability. And then go from there, and then who's going to monitor, who's going to govern it, uh, who's going to be responsible if things don't work? I mean, what's your plan B if that doesn't work? I mean, a lot of those kind of things. On behalf of the show and our listeners, thanks so much, Ben, for sharing your insights about how organizations can start looking at RP and prepare for an effective adoption. Thanks so much. Thanks. My pleasure. Bye. And listeners, please like us on Facebook, search for CTN, CIO Talk Network, and be sure to follow us on Twitter and join our LinkedIn community. And finally, just please do download our podcast from a number of different syndication channels and uh, rate us so that more people discover us and benefit. Thank you again for listening to this segment on CTN. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.